You're listening to a special Sunday episode of Let's Get Legal, powered by the Illinois State Bar Association, with host John Hansen. Today's show is sponsored by Leonard Trial Lawyers, Anderson Attorneys and Advisors, and Heggie Wachner Law Firm. Now, here's John Hansen, and let's get legal. 111 on WGN. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us here on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, at Northwestern yesterday, so we moved to the Sunday, and we're excited to be here on this. Uh, boy, the sun is out. <laughs> this, what is this giant orb in the sky? I feel like it's been like, what, three weeks, Audrey Anderson, since we've seen the sun? Yeah, it's just gorgeous down here with the blue skies. It is. It's just nice. Getting on a cloud of the sky. Uh, today. So I hope everyone's uh, soaking in some vitamin D and enjoying the day today a little bit. We got a great show for you today. Audrey Anderson from Anderson Attorneys and Advisors. You're kicking things off today, Audrey. I am. Thanks for having me. Yeah, again. you're the lead guest. Always good to see you. For those that, you know, on Sundays, we sometimes have different listeners than our normal time on Saturdays. Let's get a little of your background just to refresh everyone who you are. You are a former state, you worked in the state's attorney's office, DuPage County. Now you work in the defense side of things. And um, you do a lot of things with juveniles, with adults. I mean, you kind of run the gamut, don't you? Right, yeah. So I was a prosecutor. I worked in the state attorney's office for about 20 years, left there about five or so years ago, and now do criminal defense for juveniles, adults, and then a lot of DCFS abuse neglect defense work for guardians or parents or sometimes kids that are investigated by DCFS. Is it more fun being a prosecutor or a defense attorney? Oh, it's both at times, depending (laughs) on the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I could see that. There's moments. Are there moments where you're like, oh, that was that? I I, I, could, I could make the switch on back. And then there's some days where you're like, no, this is what I love to do. Yeah, I loved working with law enforcement. And when I was at the state attorney's office for the last half of my career, I was a supervisor of different various units, drug unit, juvenile child abuse. So it was great going to police departments and doing training about search and seizure or what's appropriate with students or when I was in the drug unit as a supervisor of how they can search, how they can't search, updates on case law. So it was fun training officers and being involved in the investigations when they have questions for you and what's permissible and not. Yeah. But then being on this side of it, seeing it and just defending people where they just get into just a bad situation. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just yesterday talking with the client about something that she unfortunately stumbled into. She's panicked, just a regular person that just got caught up in something bad. And right. so it's great to try to help her and defend her and work her through the system and navigate for her. Yeah, I know a lot of people think prosecutors are so buddy-buddy with police. They work hand-in-hand, obviously, in many different ways. And that defense attorneys are so anti-police. It's not like that. It's a, There's a lot of gray area there, right? Right, there is. There's a lot of overlap. And there's a lot of private defense attorneys like myself who used to be in the state attorney's office, some for two decades like me, some for just a couple of years. But really, um, everyone's just trying to make the criminal justice system the best that it can be. So it doesn't necessarily have to be as adversarial as you see on TV. Or you Plus, hear. yeah, prosecutors also make a decision. I mean, it's not like, I mean, prosecutors have leeway. They have, they can decide if they want to charge someone or what to charge them with based on their past. So I'm not saying they're doing the job of the defense, but, you know, there is a little bit of, um, prosecutors take a lot into consideration too before they try a case, right? About extenuating circumstances that people go through, right? Right, absolutely. And I know we've kind of touched on this before, but I represent a lot of people um, dozens over the several years where it's the investigation is still pending. They get arrested or some officer comes knocking at their door. And so I represent them in that stage. And so dealing with the, the police officer, the prosecutor explain the mitigating circumstances to maybe reduce the charges or not have them charges seriously. Or at least when they do, I can put together mitigation because the officers are in the 
prosecutors are like, well, we have to charge this. But if you can provide me good mitigation, you know, an mm-hmm. evaluation or how if it's a student, how the student's doing in school, how the family's adjusting, things like that. Changes and improvements my client's trying to make to try to reduce it from something extremely serious to something where they can move on with do, their lives. Do you feel like having worked as a prosecutor and uh, with police in that area, you kind of know as a defense attorney what might work, what might work for your client to, to move the needle a little bit before the, a trial were to happen or a charge were to happen? Absolutely, because I know exactly the bosses. I know what they're looking for because that's what I was looking for. And so I know what I should steer my client to do or to say or what not to say and do. And same with sentencing in front of a judge. I know what arguments work in front of this judge, what things a client should do that this one judge finds important, whereas a different judge finds this more important. So, yes, it does definitely give me a, a huge advantage, I believe. Our phone number is 312-981-7200. If you have any questions, you can reach Audrey Anderson and Anderson Attorneys Advisors at 630-877-5800, AndersonAA.com, AndersonAA.com. That was just the appetizer, Audrey. We'll do the safety act after this on 720 WGN. John Hansen here on Let's Get Legal, powered by the Illinois State Bar Association. Maybe some of you are uh, gearing up to go to the Blackhawks game. Well, I guess it's not till this evening, 6.30, against the Rangers. I'll be there at the United Center, though, cheering them on on the Jumbotron. Come say hi to me in Section 312, Audrey Anderson. Our conversation today, uh, Audrey Anderson from Anderson Attorneys and Advisors. Their number is 630-877-5800. And, uh, Audrey, I, you know, a lot of people know you from the show. You've been on many, many times. I already told you that uh, the pizza delivery guy loves when you're on at our house in Tunner's Grove. But I think it's good to refresh people's memories about just how important that is and reintroduce you as someone having worked in the state's attorney's office and now on the defense side of things. I imagine there are other people out there that do that, and that's great, but it is such a benefit. It's just like the little things I imagine you see. You don't have to give them away now, but the little things you see when you're meeting with the client that go, oh, I know what the police did here. I know what the prosecutor's trying to do here. Here's how we're going to counteract that. Very true. Uh, I would look at a case or when a potential client starts talking to me, they're all upset about the situation they're in, and I get all excited because I think of all the things and arguments that we can make to try to get the case dismissed or try to win a motion to suppress statements or quash their search or things like that. So it because I see the other side, I know exactly what the officers did or didn't do right, what questions they should have asked or didn't. Or on the flip side, I know exactly they did everything right. And then I can tell the clients, you know, honestly, they literally did everything right. There's really not much we can do but just Hopefully the prosecutor can have mercy and we'll show how you've changed, how you've adjusted. This is just not the norm for you. Right. And that's a great point, too. You know when everything was followed by the book, when it's a strong case against your client and you can advise them to try and get a lesser sentence or try, try to show a different story, right? I mean, I think that's important. Um, I imagine after you meet with clients, especially in the case you mentioned the former, uh, of where you can poke holes in it, you see what's wrong that a client, after they meet with you, feels empowered a little bit, right? This doesn't seem like I'm by myself anymore. Right, and that's something that I try to tell them when they are encouraged by what I say to them or they're not as distraught or upset or confused about the process. That's also part of my job as their attorney is not just to help them get the best outcome, but to help them maneuver the system. Okay. Your number is 630-877-5800. I know we have a lot of numbers to remember these days, so everyone can just take out their phones and put on the contacts. Just put Audrey Defense Lawyer in and enter 630-877-5800. And I just say that because when, when unfortunately, when someone needs a defense attorney, it's probably not a good day in their life, right? It's probably a frantic day in their life. 
But time does often matter, doesn't it? It does. And when you think of yourself in a panic situation, it's hard to think clearly. So if you have this at least tucked away, then you know that's one last thing that you have to do when you're confused about if you're arrested with your kid in the car or you've just been in an accident or an officer is searching you and you're not quite sure what to do. At least you know that you have someone that could walk you through the process, handhold you and explain it to you and your family what's the next steps for you. Well, I mean, it, I mean, it could be a knock on the door from someone and you letting that person, that officer into your home or chatting with your kids um, might seem like the right thing at that moment. But a quick call to you isn't the worst thing to just at least talk to someone about that beforehand, right? Right. So many people come to me and I'm ask them, where are you in the state, the process? Well, we already went, we did an audio video interview. I told my kids to fess up because that's what you're supposed to do with those in authority and law enforcement. And so now I'm stuck with, they confessed or they told all these people, they let them search their computer, their house, their cell. And so you're And you'll still help those people. I still will, but it's a little bit more insurmountable. Right. And if I've been there at the beginning, instead of having my clients hand everything to law enforcement and the prosecutor on a silver platter, make them work a little bit and Give us somewhat of an edge or defense. Right, exactly. AndersonAA.com. Okay, let's talk about the Safety Act, Safety Bill, Safety Act Bill, whatever. Uh, I know it's been changed. I know a lot of lawmakers worked uh, extra long hours to try and do it before the session ended, signed into law. Um, and it's really hard to talk about this topic because there's a lot of misconceptions out there. We did a whole show on it, right? And we talked on this on this station ad nauseum about it, about the misconceptions. And even I think the more we talk about it, sometimes the more confused we would get because we get different answers from well-meaning state's attorneys who didn't read it the same way as perhaps the lawmakers who wrote it. So were these revisions, do they clarify things a little bit on a broad scale before we go down to the specifics? Is this a better bill than it was months ago? It is more clarifying. So just a few weeks ago, beginning of December, the governor signed an amendment or a trailer bill to make some areas that were more ambiguous or unclear clear as to what the process, what the initial intent was. Okay. So it's well-meaning, I'm sure, by the legislatures, but they're not the public defenders, they're not the prosecutors, the police officers that are in court every day going logistically, how does it work? How does it work for private defense attorneys for our clients or prosecutors or police? So this is, it did clean it up a little bit, took away some of the confusing or ambiguity, the gray areas. Okay. So before when it was written legislatively, you know, you know, with the intention in mind of being a good bill, I'm sure those legislators legislators who voted for it felt that way. But the actual language, the nitty gritty, the details on what happens January 1st, some of those details were either A, confusing, wrong, uh, didn't do what they were intended to do. And this bill, to, to some extent, at least clarifies that. That's what we're saying. Correct. Yes, because there's so many police departments, so many different prosecutors' offices. So everyone reads it differently depending on your perspective, correct? And so January 1, what happens on Sunday in bond court? What happens? Right. What's the procedure? It takes a year plus to plan this. You need more public defenders. You need more prosecutors. You need more probation pretrial officers. You need a whole different setup logistically of so how to make this all work. Under the way the bill is currently still written. Correct, right. And initially how it was, it was years of different agencies trying to 
cooperate together to figure it out. And there was disagreement. Do you have some specifics about like what actually changed and declare like clarifying moments in this new bill? I do. Yes. So You're always prepared, Audrey. I, I try. I mean, it's WGN. I right. have to be somewhat prepared. There you go. <laughs> like that attitude. All right. So what do you got for us? So there's different things. There's different things for inmates in custody because everyone was somewhat confused as to what happens to inmates currently in custody who okay, have so, been in custody. Beforehand. So they're, they're in custody and they're uh, being held in custody because they couldn't make bail, right? Right. So what happens to them? It's I mean, before their trial. Right. Okay, so now the law changes all of a sudden, Jan 1. What happens to people in custody? Okay, what does now happen? So now, actually, everyone thought, does January 1, all these hundreds of inmates, do they fall under the new law, the old law? Are they stuck? The so purge that people were talking about. Correct. The doors would open. Right, the floodgates were open. Everyone would be streaming out. So it's different now. They set up a timeline as to defendants or prosecutors filing motions between the before a judge in the time period. It's within 70 days or 60 days or 90 days. So thank goodness everyone breathed a sigh of relief. So January 1st, you're not going to have a thousand people in bond court. So what happens now is on January 1st, people that were under the old system in jail awaiting their trial, they will get a new hearing to re under the new law to reestablish the, the to, to kind of like get a restart button, a reset button? Right. So they have to file, either defense attorneys file on behalf of their clients or prosecutors can file a petition. And depending on their offense, it can be a hearing within seven days before a judge, within 60 days or within 90 days. So seven days if it's a more minor offense like shoplifting, retail theft, or 90 days if it's a more serious case like residential burglar or something like that. Okay. So that's what happens to folks already in, in jail right now. What other changes? So another change that a lot of people were concerned about is just on a civilian standpoint. What if there's some person that's trespassing on my property or a stalker? One. We had talked about that, and that's huge. And you thought, well, law enforcement, they're not permitted to actually drag the person away. All you give them is a citation, say, see you in court, and right. good luck to you, alleged victim, and hope this goes away for you. Right. That was the way it was written, or at least how people interpreted. Person's in my shed. I went them out of my shed. The police come and they say, get out of the shed. That person says no. They just give him a piece of paper and said, okay, best of luck. And then I'm like, there's a guy in my shed. Right, exactly. And I, I had uh, some people this week that came and it's, you know, they're being what they believe seriously stalked by some yeah. random person. So what more can law enforcement do? And they were thinking, well, nothing. nothing. Yeah, good luck to you. Now? Now it's different. So it was clarified that officers can actually actually arrest a person and remove them from the property if it's... a poses a threat to the community and this person has like a mental health or medical issue. Right. So, which clearly sometimes if you're having a random person stalk you or you believe that they're stalking you, right. they may have some sort of mental health or medical issue that needs to be addressed. So now law enforcement can actually do something without being fearful of perhaps being sued if mm -hmm. they put hands on this person or give them a ticket or haul them away from this person's property. Now, a lot of people, I think under the original reading of the bill, there was some interpretation that if an arsonist could never be held before trial, mm -hmm. second degree murder, someone could be let, it has to be let out before right. trial. Mm -hmm. uh, there was some, you know, mis there were some different interpretations of what danger to a community meant and in different parts mm -hmm. of the bill, it was written in different ways. Exactly. Has that been clarified? It has been clarified. That was my next point. That's great. Good. So the legislature actually expanded the list of crimes where they found that you could be detained, whereas before they exempted some like arson or kidnapping, which to a regular civilian makes you think, well, clearly you should That's be no detained good. for something on that, right. right, without looking beyond the facts. So that was cleared up. 
And then it was also cleared up some of the definitions of what specifically is a dangerous standard or what is willful flights. So those were more defined. Mm-hmm. It's still pretty gray, right? Case specific, but at least there's more standard definitions. Whereas before, there was nothing to define that. And when it's in this gray area, which I always say I love living in the gray area because most of life is gray areas. When it's in that gray area, it's up to that judge, right? It is up to the judge. And so the thing is, if a person's in bond court, it's up to that one judge. So they make the decision at that point. And at that point, the prosecutors have all the evidence. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the law enforcement officer was just talking to the prosecutor on the phone or gave them some sort of synopsis. And the defense attorney might be a little bit behind the eight ball. So you can always then file a petition to rehear this before the judge the case is assigned to once you have more information about your clients. Mm-hmm, for sure. All right, we're uh, just warming up. we got a few more things to get to. I'm sure we'll do it with Audrey Anderson from Anderson Attorneys and Advisors in a moment. 630-877-5800 is how you reach them. AndersonAA.com is the website. More on Let's Get Legal after this, but first time for the news on WGN. This is Let's Get Legal. It's powered by the Illinois State Bar Association. i got Audrey Anderson from Anderson Attorneys and Advisors on. Audrey, we've been talking about the Safety Act and some of the things that have been changed to at least clarify what is going on. Um, A big thing, though, is public defenders and how that works. What does the bill do differently in terms of how it handles or how public defenders uh, work in this system? What is different? So public defenders get a lot... Put upon them, and mm-hmm. I'm somewhat biased because my twin is deputy chief at a public defender's office, so I have a heart for them too. But they have to do so much; they have to be involved in all this, trying to figure out logistically how this works. How does bond court work? How do these pretrial detentions work? How does court work? All these sorts of things, and even private defense attorneys go up to a public defender saying, "What about this? What about that?" So they're really giving out a lot of information. Because what has changed for them because of the no cash bail, like how Correct. that is all handled, like. The actual motions of how this all works? Correct. And logistically, what they now have to have all these mini hearings. So a bond court for an inmate used to take maybe a minute. Really? Yes. And so, and you never really talked, you t- well, most public defenders would at least talk, to, try to talk to the inmate beforehand for maybe a couple minutes at a time. Find out what happened. Right. Give There's me a Something about details. the background, you know, how old you are, you have family, how much money can you post, move on to the next one. And then the they go one. into the court and then they... It's one minute, right? The right. prosecutor says, used to say, here's what they were charging them with. And the judge says, okay, bond is set here, click clock. Right. And so all you That have was is- the gavel noise, by the way, right. click clock, if you couldn't tell people. <laughs> right. So the public defenders were stuck with, you know, we have to figure out something about this person. So the judge doesn't only just hear bad things about them. Oh, so they would, the public defender would have like 30 seconds to try and make a case of why this person should be let out before the trial. Right. They've got, they're married. They've got a job. They've got kids. This was an accident. Something like that. Then the judge says, uh, nope, sorry, $10,000, click clock. Could be. Okay. Yes. I'm really obsessed with this gavel right. noise I made noise. So now what happens? So now it's the same, but they have to have more in-depth hearings. And so that means public defenders have to have more in-depth conversation with inmates. Well, the judge still wants to start bond court at 8 o'clock or 4 o'clock or whatever the time is. So you have a public defender. They're trying to get through 30 
40, who knows how many people. So they get there, what, six, five in the morning to try to talk to everyone, work their way through. So you need more public defenders. You need more staff. And do you also, uh, is this going to just take more days in court? Like this is going to take up judges' times longer too? Because right. if you're if you're having longer hearings for each individual person, I assume this doesn't mean less people are going to be arrested. We're still going to have the same amount of people. Right. I mean, these are going to be packed days. It will be packed days and no one wants to be there on a Saturday morning, Sunday morning doing all this. And it's hard for one public defender to do all this and all the paperwork and not talk to everyone. So they realized logistically, you need more public defenders. Okay. And you need to have public defenders stay, attorneys stay at public defenders and not be like, we're done. There's some counties I read where the public defenders have filed motions to withdraw from clients because they just don't have enough public defenders. They keep quitting on them in some of the smaller counties. So now there's this new fund grants through the states that in the safety act correct through this new safety uh, trailer bill which is over 300 pages it's Mm -hmm. just the revision so it's a new fund so you can pay through the states these different county public defenders to have more attorneys or to have salary because before there wasn't just enough funds to staff so now the county has to say hey we need we need a little bit out of this fund to pay these public defenders correct but the money will be there because before it was the state Kind of like an unfunded mandate. The state's saying, you have to all do this. And the counties are like, we have no money to pay our public defenders to do this. Correct. This is allegedly alleviates that. Correct. But of course, it doesn't put in there how the state is coming up with this money to pay all these people. Oh, but yeah. No, that's no, the problem. Yeah, that's on another show. Yeah. We'll do that on your money, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> From a legal perspective, this is, in theory, worked out. Correct. How the state's going to pay for it. Boy, that's anybody's guess. That's that's no new problem, Audrey. Right, I know. Unfortunately, it'll be a problem forever. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just uh, that's run of the mill. We'll do that tomorrow on John Williams Show. Um, okay, let's talk about how people are preparing now for Jan 1. I imagine we covered a little bit of it there. Public defenders are just trying to figure out how long these things are going to take, what I need to know. Uh, I imagine state's attorneys are trying to figure out, like, what are the big differences that are going to be happening and how are those preparations going? So in just talking to people and reading, it seems as if public defender's office, state's attorney's office and probation, because you have to have probation pretrial officers now for when people get released, you're either released or you're in. So you need to have someone monitoring these people. Okay, so these are if a judge, so a judge can't do cash bail anymore. Right. And they're going to be out. Uh, they're saying, all right, you're you're free until your trial, right? Um, but you have to have a probation officer, so a human to check in on you, or you have to check in with that person. Correct. So you have to have someone there so that you can put an anklet on them to monitor their movement, perhaps, or just get information about where they live, their contact phone number, email, things like that. So in theory, there's going to be a lot more of those people out before their trial. So you just literally need more humans to track these people. Right. And then also, you're supposed to have these pre-trial memos. So probation is going to be speaking with inmates allegedly before their bond hearing to put together a report for the prosecutor, for the public defender or defense attorneys and the judge. So logistically, there's just going to be more people and the prep for bond court will take longer. Are, are there are there employees that are going to be able to handle this? Are we going to hire a bunch of new people? I don't know if they know there's a labor shortage out there right now. Right. So they are. So they're reconfiguring how state attorney's offices work, public defenders, probation, stuff like that to reassign people to these. But how many people are going to be jumping up and down saying, please, me, me, me. I, I want to work weekends. Yes. Yeah. I want to be pretrial on a Saturday, Sunday, especially when it's like Christmas and New Year's now falls on the, the weekend. I want to be working weekends. I mean, do they then get a day off during the week? Right. I mean, logistically, how does, does it work? just come down to the state's attorney? They have to figure it out because a judge is going to rule a certain way. It's up to this. It's under the state's attorney's care and purview. 
just figure it out. Is that the answer to a state's attorney from right. a judge? Like, I'm sorry. Work it out with the guy. Ask for more money. I don't know. Right? Exactly. I mean, this is the law. It must be done. So state attorneys, probation, public defenders, judges, they have to have a judge doing this. You just have to get it done. And even the revisions to the bill, while they may have made things easier, this is still going to be an issue come Jan 1. It's going to be very difficult, especially I feel bad for smaller counties, perhaps, mm-hmm. that don't have the same resources as you do in Cook or DuPage or some of the bigger collar counties here. Is Jan 1 a really calm, easy day in a bond court? No, it's going to be chaos. So hopefully everyone's going to behave and there won't be that many inmates from New Year's Eve to Jan 1. Well, that's what I was going to get at. Isn't yeah. that a busy day normally? Yeah, probably Jan 1, the day after Super Bowl, Sunday. I mean, those are the biggest crime nights, shall we say, where right. most people get arrested for things. They could have made it Jan 5 when this thing took over. It had to be Jan 1. Right. Or July for something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because that's going to be a busy day. Uh, how, does your job change at all because of anything like this? Or is this you, you since you're a private defense attorney, it, it doesn't, or is this going to affect the, the pretrial motions for you too? Right. It affects us, not as much as public defender and prosecutors, but yes, it affects us. I don't often go to bond court on a weekday, let alone a weekend. Sometimes mm-hmm. we do for clients, but it's not as much. So it does. It affects us and we have to be on top of the motions. Like what, what's this? Is it going to be a standard motion? What do we put in the motion? Is everyone going to start it from scratch? There's different private defense associations. So we collaborate and share motions, that sort of thing. But it's going to be more for defense attorneys as well. But this does give you an opportunity to get more of your clients perhaps out of jail while they await their trial, right? In theory, which for proponents of this bill who say for people that are innocent or, or innocent, we're all innocent until proven guilty, it allows you more access to them to build a better defense. So there are some advantages for a defense attorney too. There's huge advantages. It's great to have a client that's not in custody because you can meet with them whenever you want. You don't have to schedule going to the jail. You're restricted on things you can bring to a jail when you're speaking with them. It's great to have them out and it's great for them and their families because they can see their children. They can go to family functions. Most importantly, they can continue working, which is so essential for them and those that they support. And that's what we obviously want. We don't want to take everything away from them, lose their jobs. Some of them, it's hard to get a job in the first place. So now we're locking them up and their job is gone. So that's truly essential. Okay. Well, thanks for helping us. Well, I'm always glad that when you're prepared, Audrey, uh, because it's a lot to get through all this stuff. Uh, and you are always prepared for your clients, too. 630-877-5800, 630-877-5800, AndersonAA.com. Audrey, who should be calling or reaching out to you? Everybody who thinks that they may have an issue or one of their children has an issue or someone, some law enforcement, or they hear rumors that law enforcement or DCFS is coming to look for them. All right. Call Audrey and her team, 630-877-5800. Audrey, take care. All right. Thank you. You too. Happy holidays.